All right, welcome into another episode of the Windmill Dynasty Hockey Podcast. With me today, I have Mike Burns back on the uh, back on the podcast. Welcome, Mike. Thanks, Kevin, for having me again. I really enjoyed it last time, and uh, I'm looking forward to chatting some more with you today. All right, so uh, we're going to get started talking a little bit about, a little bit about minor hockey. Uh, the season is starting back up, and you are a coach. So, uh, what's uh, what's on schedule for you right now? Uh, well, the uh, community's a buzz. Um, I know that some communities are a little bit different as far as when they get started, but in our particular association, uh, the pre-trial camps are happening right now. So pre-trial camps are everything from, you know, just, you know, shaking the rust off from the summer, uh, getting the kids kind of, you know, prepped and comfortable with some of the um, trials that are going to happen in late uh, September and October. Um, If people don't understand how the process usually works, there's competitive teams in associations. There's also rec teams, but everybody typically will come out in October and uh, not necessarily try out. The competitive teams are trying out, but also it gives the associations an opportunity to see the level of skill at our rec levels, and they try to you know even out the teams accordingly. So that's how they kind of you know they gauge you know you know they're gonna have five teams in a certain level well you know we want to make that as even as we possibly can so that's typically what happens in in october so you know it's exciting i was back to the rink last night i've been i've been back a few you know the last week or so and it's a lot of people around a lot of smiling faces you know a lot of excitement happening right now um and i think you know people have to focus once again on on the experience of the kids like we need to focus on giving them a good experience and it starts essentially right now so um Minor hockey is an amazing time of the year, September and October, um, and we need to kind of focus on, you know, that experience once again. And everybody hears about toxic parents and uh, and the competitive process. So I thought maybe we could touch base on that, and maybe we can help, you know, some of those parents that are getting into the game at an early age with their kids. They have early, you know, so they have young kids that are getting into the game, and you know they want to get involved in coaching, or you know they want to be a good uh, contributor to the team and the association. Maybe not necessarily behind the bench, but I thought maybe we could give some tips to to people that are you know feeling stressed, and and most of the time the kids are stressed out because they want to make certain teams and so on and so forth. But uh, once again, we need to get back to why we're here and why we're in the rinks and why it's great. So as a hockey coach, uh, you have a lot of experience coaching, as you have mentioned previously. What are some of the issues you see from parents when it comes to um, being too involved, maybe, in the, in the experience of their, their kid's hockey career? Right. Well, I mean, I've seen all kinds, really. Um, the biggest issue that I find is that, um, you know, at the competitive level, you know, you have kids that are... Are gifted and talented, and their parents see that, and uh, you know they think that they're they have the next Sidney Crosby, you know, uh, or the next Nathan McKinnon, um, the next Patrick Waugh, you know, and they let their emotions, you know, get the better of them sometimes, and uh, you know at the Pee Wee level, for example, you know that Pee Wee Double A, Pee Wee Triple A level, you know, typically the Pee Wee Triple A groups are. Um, you know, they're the pinnacle of the associations. That's where those kids are kind of developing to a point where, you know, you can kind of see what kind of future they may have in the game. So this is where, you know, you really see, um, you know, what some of these parents are all about. And 
sometimes it's lack of education. Uh, sometimes it's just plain ignorance. Um, you know, their son, their little little their son, you know, gets cut from the AAA team. They want to know why, and that's fair. I mean, you know, if you look and you see the level of competition out there. Um, and you think your son or daughter is capable of playing at that level and they, they don't make the team, then, of course, you know, an explanation is, uh, is in order. Um, my issue is, is that that kind of negativity can sometimes leak into the season. And uh, instead of focusing on the kids, the children's uh, overall experience, you know, they're still upset that little Kevin didn't make the AAA team. And I've seen it because I've coached uh, at that level uh, in, in, in U15, in Bantam, um, and it's affected those kids for the whole year. So, you know, hockey is a great gift. It's one of the greatest games on earth. We need to focus on those experiences. So, you know, once we move past the competitive processes and the teams are selected, you know, the focus should really just be well, it should be just on the children and the experience. We should not be negative. We should not be, you know, complaining about the process. We should not be complaining about the selection piece. We should just focus on providing the best experience we can um, and accept the group that you're with and let's have some fun because that's really what it comes down to. Do you ever find that uh, coaches, especially with your team, do they ever over, or not coaches, uh, parents, do you find they overstep their, their bounds a little bit too often, especially with, I don't want you to maybe uh, out any of your, your own, uh, your, your players' parents, but uh, have you ever had that in your, in your past or in your, you know, in your time coaching where you have parents that are just too involved and they're, they're trying to tell you how to do your job? Yes, Absolutely. A hundred percent. And it happened more so in the early part of my coaching career than it does now because, you know, I have a reputation. People know what to expect from me now for the most part. Um, and I do a better job of setting expectations initially um, than I did in the initial uh, part of my career. So, yes, I mean, if they see a hole and, you know, or we make mistakes, which we're human, so we're going to make mistakes. In some cases, they jump all over that, that thing. And that's whether... You know whether they're focused on, like I said, whether I'm coaching rec hockey, which is at the at the lowest level as far as um, uh, in most associations. And when I say low, I don't you know want to downgrade that. We have a lot of great hockey players and kids that just want to play at that level, which is typically like one game a week and one practice a week. Um, but some of the drama, you know, I've had drama at that level. I've had drama at the competitive level, um, and extreme situations where you know, you know, it, it's not. It's not an exact science, you know. You have power plays, you have penalty killing, you have kids that get suspended and thrown out of the games, and you have to adjust accordingly on the bench as far as you know shifts and how long they should be out there. And you know, some people just don't understand that. They think that you know, my son should receive the same amount of time as the next kid. You know, especially at the rec level. You know, why did I'm going to keep using your name as an example? I hope you don't mind. No, that's okay. You know, why was Kevin on the edge for 30 seconds? And uh, Mike was on the ice for a minute and a half. Or, you know, it's a power play, and why is my son not on the ice? It's his turn to go on the shift. Or, you know, there's three minutes left in the game, and we're down by a goal, and we're trying to, you know, come back. You know, why is my son, you know, having time, you know, in their mind, not the, you know, equal amount of ice time that the next person is getting? So, um, once again, it comes with expectations. But, you know, I've had parents that, 
sign up in the stands and literally time their sons and daughters shifts. And then at the end of the game, I'd get an email and saying, you know, I noticed that your son, who I also coach, um, you know, he was on the ice for five more minutes than my son. Why is that? So once again, I don't mind feeling those kind of questions because I can explain myself really well. But it's the parents that kind of come out and say, you know, this is wrong. You're not doing it right. Um, you know, I'm going to report you to, you know, to the head of your association, blah, blah, blah. Um, and we have to understand something. Most coaches are volunteers, right? So uh, I'm a big advocate that if you want to be critical of my style and how I do things, um, but you're not willing to uh, volunteer yourself, you're not willing to come to the rink and help the team, either that, whether that's on the ice or off the ice, then, you know, your, your opinion is still important, but a lot less important if you're not willing to step up and be a volunteer because um, we're losing interesting stat I just uh, I just saw recently, and, and this is just in, in my local area, but we've asked over the last five years, you know, we're down four or 500 registrations, uh, you know. So we're losing kids from the game. We're losing volunteers from the game. Um, we're losing referees from the game. And we need to find a way to, to, to get that back and, and bring those kids and those volunteers back to the arena um, because if we don't have volunteers, you know, it's going to kill the experience. It's going to, you know, make less kids, you know, uh, more excited to come to the rink and, and, and play hockey, you know. So um, we need to do a better job of, of maintaining and, and recruitment and once again, focusing on the overall experience opposed to, you know, some of these other factors that are important, but we've kind of gotten away from over the years, in my opinion. Uh, as a coach, do you have any advice for other coaches who maybe have to deal with parents who have to deal with just um, problems within their own team? Like how, as a coach, how have you dealt with these in the past? And do you have any advice to give to other coaches? Well, first of all, there's a lot of processes involved that, um, that our associations and Hockey Canada and our local um, hockey um, groups of the province have, you know, given us, and there's a process to deal with if somebody is forking a complaint or someone has an issue. So, you know, we have all that. But to answer your question, um, expectations are really important. It's really important to set that expectation, those expectations up front and those initial meetings with the families before you start the season. If you do a really good job of that, <clears throat> I found over the over the years, it, it, it it's a much smoother process. It's a much smoother game. Um, uh, but if you don't set those expectations and you kind of go into these meetings, you know, saying, "Hey, I'm not experienced. I don't have a lot of experience," and it's okay to tell people that because uh, we're all learning and we continue to grow. Um, but expectations are really important to set up front. And then as you deal with the issues throughout the season, you know, my experience is that I deal with the stuff straight on. Like, like I, I don't sugarcoat it. If you have an issue with me, you know, over a game or how I've acted or how I'm treating your, your player, then I want to deal with it right away. You know, you don't want things to fester. You don't want people to be upset and angry and continue to have that negative uh, type of opinion as the season goes on, because, you know, that kind of thing leaks into the experience for our kids. And one, you know, toxic parent or one, uh, you know, issue that, that they, you know, don't, they don't get resolution on can affect the whole year. 
And I've had situations where it, it's done that and it's sucked the life out of our group. Um, so it's important to have good, good relationships with your families and parents and kids, but at the end of the day, it's about respect. Um, treat everybody the way you want to be treated. And, you know, we're not perfect. We make mistakes. So um, be honest and be forthcoming and be forward with, uh, with everybody and keep the lines of communication open and have a proper manager and have proper support people involved in your group because, you know, get as many people involved as you can, whether that's on the ice or off. The more people you have involved, um, the less issues I find you will have because people want to be a part of it, right? They, they, you know, whether that's doing a 50-50 or, or being a manager or a safety person, um, you know, empower everybody, you know, to be involved and, and tell them that you need help from everyone in order to have a successful season. And if you do that and you have all everybody involved, they're a lot more intimately involved. And uh, my experience is that the seasons are much better. So uh, just one quick question before we, we delve away from minor hockey. Uh, maybe two questions, actually. What was it like going to the rink this week during the middle of a heat wave? Like, is that – what's that like? Because, I mean, maybe some folks don't aren't used to that. So uh, maybe Yeah, some- yeah, no. We didn't have a great summer. We – didn't have a lot of uh, a lot of heat, a lot of sun. We had floods, we had fires. We really only had a couple weeks of summer. The kids are all back in school now. They went back this week, um, and then it's been, of course, twenty-five to thirty degrees each day. So, oh, it's a delicate balance, you know. So, very excited to be at the rink, but also, you know, to come back and sit by the pool and have a barbecue last night was a lot of fun too, and swimming again. So, I didn't think that was going to happen. I figured, you know. Um, summer was done, but it's actually not. But I can balance it quite well. And, you know, in a couple more weeks, we'll be full-on fall and, and, and back to the rink. But, you know, there's a buzz. I, I can feel it. I, I get goosebumps every time. Uh, this you know, at, you know this time of the year is just an exciting time for me, and I, I don't even really play anymore. But just to get back to the rink and see all the kids, and I was beeping horns, driving by the rink on the way out yesterday, and, and uh, there's a buzz around hockey communities. Anybody that's involved in the game knows that. And some of them started before us, a couple of weeks or a month, whatever. Um, everybody starts at a different time. But in our local association, in our local town, oh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a hockey hotbed. And it's exciting. exciting to be a part of it. It always will be to me. So, No, that's awesome. Uh, so we're going to move on towards the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs now. There's been some big news that has dropped within the last week or maybe week and a half. Uh, so Austin Matthews signed a big contract, uh, four years, and it was $53 million, I believe. $53 million, which comes to $13.25 million per season. As a, uh, as a fan, you're not a Leafs fan, I know that, you're a Habs fan, but uh, as a Habs fan, how do you feel about that contract? I like how you try to throw that in there. Like, yeah. Uh, I'm a fan of the game, and I follow the Leafs. Everybody knows that follows me on Twitter. You know, I follow them, I... Uh, we have lots of conversations, some some good, some heated, and I think that's healthy, um, having those kind of conversations always, but uh, like I said, I, I, I like the new additions that the Leafs have acquired, um, it's a lot of money to spend on somebody, uh, you know, the highest paid player in the league now, you know, with very little um, success in the playoffs, and I know what they're trying to think, and what, what their mindset is that, you know, He's one of the best in the league, and he is one of the best goal scorers in the league. And, um, you know, we lock him in now, and in two or three years, it's going to be a bargain based on how things are increasing in salaries and such. 
Um, but, and I know the Leafs had a really strong goals against overall in the regular season last year. And a lot of people will argue with me that, you know, they don't have issues uh, on the back end or in goaltending. But I really think that that is still uh, an area that they need to improve if they're going to take the next step. Um, and Reeves, Domi, and Tyler Bertuzzi, I think, will help this group a lot and become it'll be a come you know a, a more grittier group. Um, and I think it will help them when you know we get into the grind of the season and uh, into the playoffs. I still think there's a big question mark uh, with their goaltending. I still think there's a big question mark on their blue line. Um, do you think Morgan? Long- do you think Morgan Riley is good enough? Uh, to be a number one defenseman for them if they, like, do you think they can win the cup with Morgan Riley as their best defenseman? I guess that's uh, that's that's what a lot of people I, are wondering right now. Yeah, sure. No, I was really impressed with him in the playoffs. I watched all the games. I thought he was easily their best defenseman. And to, people give him, you know, he's more of an offensive guy, and he is more of an offensive guy. Um, but I think he really took a step forward last year. I was happy to see them sign him. Um and to answer your question, yes, if they build the right kind of support around him on the blue line, um, and I mean new additions, like you look at Vegas and what they accomplished in the Stanley Cup playoffs, and it's not hard to see that they won the Cup because their back end was extremely solid in both ends of the ice, and they had consistent goaltending. So uh, to answer your question, yeah, I think that they can, but they need to get some – need to acquire – some 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 better pieces that there back there to give him the support that he that he he needs. Definitely, you know, a top two guy. Um, certainly number one on that group right now, no question. And I like him a lot. I like his game. So uh, one of the things that will be hindering the Leafs from making those moves to um, surround Morgan Riley, surround Austin Matthews, they don't really have a lot of cap space right now. They have no cap space right now, actually, and um, they still have to sign. William Nylander, not for this season, but for the future. What do you think happens with William Nylander? Is he going to be a Toronto Maple Leaf for the foreseeable future? What do you think happens there? So, once again, anyone that follows me on Twitter, they know that uh, little Willie Nylander has been a... Uh, you know, it's, it's always a hot topic because of how he plays the game. Okay? Which is very much the opposite of what I teach and, and, you know, and how I kind of approach the game. And not always a bad thing. Extremely skilled guy. He, he, guy can score goals. He's a 40-goal scorer. Uh, they're hard to find in the NHL. Um, but kind of how he approaches things is what, um, you know, kind of irritates me the most. How he held out last time, even though, you know, in hindsight, you know, that salary uh, looks like a bargain at this point. Um, but is it going to be a distraction this year? Um, I think so. I think the Leafs should be focused on trying to either sign him, uh, but personally, I would like to see them move him for those pieces that we talked about. I think that the Leafs will have no problem scoring goals, whether he's there or not. Despite him scoring 40-plus goals and being a big uh, power play guy for them, um, I think with the acquisitions that they've made, they will supplement any loss of goal scoring. Um, if they do move him and his value is high right now you know you would like to think that now you know what are other teams looking for I don't know but you would like to, I would like to think that they could you know move him before the season 
you know, bring in maybe a, a number two defenseman and get that, or you know, and, and or you know, there are some goaltenders out there, in my opinion, that are, are consistently better than what they have there now. They could make that uh, uh, acquisition. I would be actively trying to trade him is what I'd be trying to do. And with the premise that I'm trying to improve my team and focusing on the playoffs and what it's going to take to win the cup, you know? So, and a lot of people don't like that. There's a lot of Nylander lovers out there and I get it. He's extremely talented. He scores lots of goals. You know, he's an offensive guy, but really, you know, he's not a 200 foot player. He doesn't like to get hits. Uh, he doesn't like going into the dirty areas. Does he? Does he? Does does he sometimes? Absolutely. Does he go into the odd corner? Does he take a hit sometimes? But I just mean overall, he, in my opinion, shies away from that and would rather, you know, push the offense and and lead that way. And that's the kind of player he is, and that's okay. We know what he is, and he's matured over the years. He's gotten, he's he's you know he's better than he used to be, in my opinion, in those areas. But once again, um, you know. The focus really should be on trying to improve the back end and goaltending, and I think he could be potentially the piece that they could, you know, dangle out there if they're not doing it already, and 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 they would improve their team by making, you know, some of those potential moves. If you were the GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs and you had the ability to trade William Nylander right now, would you trade him for maybe some forward depth and prospects and picks? Or would you trade him for defenders? Would you try to get a backup goalie in that move too? Um, what would you do if you were the GM? Would you, you know? I like I like the forward group that's there now. And we talk about, you know, the new additions, but, you know, Matthew Nyes I really was impressed with in the playoffs also. Between him and, and Riley, those two guys really stuck out to me. Um, and they took a step forward. And I know, you know, how they acquired him and how they brought them in. I thought that was an excellent move because he, you know, he was a contributing factor on the ice um, in front of the net in the corners. Uh, so, you know, yes, uh, to go back to what I said originally, I would acquire defenders, defensemen, uh, big, strong, you know, preferably rough, uh, that can move the puck, that aren't afraid to mix it up uh, in front of the net, behind the net. Um, and you know the goaltending situation is a big question mark to me as well despite once again knowing that the goals against that they had as a team last year was top 10 um, you know there's some other goalies out there that I think that they might be able to they could potentially get a number one goalie you know with Nylander you know and this is not knowing how things work but I I personally think they probably could acquire a number one goaltender potentially a number two defenseman or even a number three defenseman would be an improvement, uh, in my opinion. But, uh, you know, they're going to have to make those acquisitions at some point if they're going to move, you know, you know, past the second round this year, in my opinion. So Yeah, my view on the Leafs is that you can keep doing the same thing over and over and over, but if you keep getting the same results, you're really just banging your head against a wall because, like, you, right. you, you got to eventually change something up. And, I mean, getting rid of Dubas, I don't think, was the change that... Uh, was necessary to put that group over the you know over the hump. So that's my opinion. Uh, I want to hear your opinion. Where do you think the Leafs go this year? Are they going to be a playoff team? Are they going to be a Stanley Cup contender? Do you think they finally break over the you know? Do you think they get to the Stanley Cup final? Do you think they get to the Eastern Conference final? A lot of different questions for you here. So no, it's uh, fine. Based on what I see right now, um, and with the recent acquisitions that they've made. Uh, I still think they're not a Stanley Cup 
team. Will they win the Atlantic Division? Probably. Um, they're that you know they're a great regular. They're going to be a great regular season team again, and, and many teams are. Um, and in that division, you know it's a tough division. Montreal's going to be hard pressed to make the playoffs. We talked about last time, um, but I think that they, you know, they'll be top two in the Atlantic. And if they don't make any moves in the back end and their goaltending, they will be hard pressed to move um, through the first or second round again. So whether they wait to do that at the end of the season or at the trade deadline, I don't know. But I would like to see them do something now. You know, we're 30 days away from the season to start. And what better way to kind of set the expectations up front and like we talked about in minor hockey, you know, make those moves, bring in a potential veteran on the back end that can help them physically, you know, and, you know, and, and maybe a different goaltender. You know, somebody else there that can kind of step in as potential number one, which will push the other two guys to maybe be better, you know. And there's, there's potential. I've seen flashes of brilliance out of both their goaltenders, um, but just not, a, not enough consistency to win, you know, during the grind of four rounds in the playoffs, right? No, and that's fair. I think, um, you know, Samsonov showed some flashes last year. They've got the young guy in the, in the, in the prospects coming up with a wool, and, I mean, after that, I don't really know what's uh, what's coming up for Toronto, but um, they, it's going to be a fun year for them. And I think, you know, if this isn't the year, then there's going to be some big changes because, you know, Tree Living is coming in and he's saying, like, I want to see how this group performs, similar to how I think Masai Ujiri did with the Raptors when he came in. He said, you know, let's, let's give this a year or two and we'll see what happens. And then he slowly started putting his imprint on the roster and it eventually led to the Raptors getting a title. Maybe the same thing happens with Tree Living in Toronto uh, with the Leafs. I personally loved his first round pick. He got Easton Cowan from the London Knights, and I was, I love Easton Cowan. Like he is going to be a, um, he might not be anything more than a third or fourth line player in the NHL, but he, like he looks so good for London, London in the playoffs in the OHL, and getting right. getting coached by Dale Hunter. Like you can't ask for better coaching in junior. So. Um, I, I like some of the moves Toronto has made, and I, I have hope for them. I just I don't know if uh, keeping the core together is the right move, but they're kind of stuck. So yeah, and, and they have to be creative. You know, he has to be creative, and uh, he's going to you know give you all the political answers. You know, we want to see what this group's all about. People have seen the group. We've watched the group. Everybody yeah. has been watching them very carefully. Um, anyone that's you know loves the game and is in Canada and especially on the East Coast. You know, we watch a lot of Leafs games. We watch a lot of Habs games, Boston games. Um, but, you know, I think they need to make those changes. I and mean, I don't think it's unreasonable to, to, to ask for that. And like I said, they're in a good situation with, with Nylander because, you know, his, his market value should be sky high at this point. And there has to be somebody out there that's willing to, you know, take him on. Whether they want to pay him $10 million or not is, is another story. Um, but you'd like to think that they can bolster that back end on the blue line or in goaltending or both, you know, with maybe him and another, another piece, you know? So, but yeah, you know, having all that money tied up, it has to, you know, affect them. Um, There's, and, you know, I have a lot of, I have a, a lot of league fans that follow me that I know are great hockey people and they love the game. And those are the fans that I, you know, I hope the Leafs can move on for them because I know that they have their hearts in the right place. So, I'm not all against the, the Leafs and, uh, you know, trashing them left and right. I think it's healthy to have those kind of conversations. Um, 
but it has to be frustrating. You know, you haven't won a cup since 67, and uh, I know how it feels after not winning a cup since 1993 with the Habs, so, you know, it's got to be tough for them to watch some of these guys to watch the same group year after year fail and then say, okay, well, you know, we made some progress last year, but no, no, you, you know, you made it to the second round. And then you couldn't, and then your big guys couldn't produce and, and get the job done. And, and they're going to live and die by those four guys. Okay, they're going to live and die by those, you know, those key players. Those, those those guys have to be their best players all the time in the playoffs, and they just weren't there. But I think if they brought in some veteran blue line help and uh, you know experience, then you know it could rub off. It should rub off on the rest of the group, including those the big four that we always talk about. Yeah. Now. Like I said, can they keep Nylander? I don't know. I'm not really into a whole lot of the, the cap thing and the money piece. I, I, I don't keep too much attention to that. I have a rough idea. You know, I know how much money they spend for those four guys, and I know how much the cap is, and it has to handcuff them, no question. But be able to bring in Reeves. I think Ryan Reeves, I don't know how he is in the, in the dressing room, and, but a guy like him you know, could turn the group around, and, you know, and they could improve, and it could be tougher, and, you know, it could give more space to, to their skilled guys to have more, you know, more ability to, to be creative um, with him on the ice. I know there's a lot of teams that will look now because, you know, think twice about maybe Ragdoll and Austin Matthews or, or John Traveris uh, when they have to look at Ryan Reese, who, in my opinion, is he's the premier heavyweight still in the NHL. And that has to have a positive effect on a group. Yeah, I've I, I was a big fan of the Reeves signing. I mean, it, three years might be a bit too much for him, but um, uh, you know what? It's it's a very low cap hit. It's like one point two five million, so you can you can dump that anytime you want. So, right? Do you think the Leafs? Uh, let's make a quick prediction. Where do you think the Leafs uh, finish up this year? If they don't make those changes that we just talked about, yeah, I think they'll be ousted again in in the early in the early part of the playoffs. I think they'll have a great regular season again. I think they'll, like I said, finish near the top of the division. But, man, the way the playoff format works, and especially in the Atlantic division with all those tough teams, you know, some would argue that they've improved. Others have not. Some are getting older. You know, Boston lost this guy. Tampa's getting this and that in Florida. But it's still going to be a grind. It's going to be a grind. And, uh, you know, really, I'm I'm a huge advocate that, you know, playoff Stanley Cup winning teams are built from the back end up. And right now, the Leafs have not improved that area. So I would expect, you know, an early exit again this year unless they make those necessary changes to bolster those areas. All right. That's uh, that's pretty much perfect for this for today's episode. I want to thank uh, Mike Burns for coming on once again. And uh, is there anything you want to you want to plug that uh, you've done in the last week or two that uh, people should listen to? Uh, no, just, you know, check me out at uh, at Burnsy Original. Uh, I do have some exciting things I mentioned that are coming out in the very near future. I've been doing lots of podcasts, doing some live shows. Uh, I've got something I'm pretty excited about in the works that should come to fruition within the next month or so. Um, but yeah, check me out. Free giveaway coming up in September. Um, as always, love to give back. And uh, I love people that appreciate those kind of things and with smiles on their faces and putting positive energy in the world. Um, so look forward to that. And, uh, and looking forward to our next show as well. I'm really enjoying having conversations with you, Kevin, about it. And I really appreciate you having me on. And I wish you nothing but, uh, but, but success. So. All right. Thank you very much, Mike. And uh, you have yourself a great day. You too, buddy. Take care.